Hello, movie lovers. Welcome home. My name is Amy Henserling, and you are listening to Watch This List Unplugged. This is the third episode in my Amy's Progress series where I am interviewing my favorite people, the smartest people I know, the wisest people I know, uh, on my own uh, mental, spiritual journey to uh, health. Uh, today is particularly special for me. Uh, it is October 1st, uh, 2023. Um, we, Swart and I, chose this date. Well, we didn't choose this date. It was meant to be, right? Uh, because it is a special day for him. Um, so, Swart, tell us a little bit, give us a little bit of background of the connection between this movie and this day for you. Also, hi. Hi. Um, so today is uh, my five years sober date. Um, tw- uh, 2018 is when I stopped drinking. I took um, the sober sober October challenge and stayed sober for 30 days. And it's, it's really interesting. Uh, last night or whenever we started talking, or I watched your other two podcasts, this, I really enjoyed them, by the way. Um, and I, I thought... I asked you, are you going to do first reformed? And you said, you said, yeah, do you want to do it? And I'm like, okay. Um, but then I went, not back what I looked, meant, Amy, but, <laughs> but I, I'm, <laughs> I went back and looked at it and the date was my review of in letterbox was October 18th, 2018. So I was about, I wasn't even through the 30 days yet. Um, and then as I was watching the movie last night, I, you know, the journaling and all that, um, it was, it really hit me. I'm like, this is really, I'm getting some deja vu here. Cause I think at the time I was such a fo- in such a fog and just trying to make it through the 30 days that I didn't realize, but I started writing like a sober blog to kind of help me. And I think this influenced it because the first entry on that was October 27th, 2018. Uh, and the thing that I wrote that day was probably the most personal thing. I still think it's the best thing that I ever, I ever wrote and I've never I've kind of been trying to chase that ever since. Um, but I had no, I, I, I didn't even realize that this had influenced it at all until I watched this movie back again. Uh, so I feel like this is kind of meant to be in some ways. Yeah, I do. I think it's also, I mean, I use the word providence a lot in my life, but um, I think it's providential for me as well because your date coincides with mine. So my 90 day uh is 104 because i my last drink was on july 4th this year and i think that watching this film back uh yesterday or 2 days ago as a, as more clear minded right like getting out of that yeah. fog is a very different experience than first seeing it and it really really struck me what traders able to see um and how much it really is about addiction particularly the denial stage um so i sort of wanted to open this up by us saying that because this is going to inform a lot of how this is read once we get into this film Mm -hmm. um and and um that swart and i have also had conversations about um just not not just letterbox in general but how like in our culture it's hard to talk about these things in a sort of with a sort of openness but that's what heals right is our stories so this is also something i feel like is important for you and i yeah congratulations on 90 days by the way that's that's hard to do <laughs> congrats <laughs> on 5 years i can't even imagine that's incredible yeah i i it doesn't seem like that anymore, but I know those first few months were really difficult. So mm. I'm with you, I'm with you there. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, they are. And I, that's something that we'll talk about when we get into this too, is just that first uh, admittance, being able to yeah. see what's going on. Um, so with that, I'm going to say movie related, we're going to spoil the heck out of this thing. 
if you haven't seen First oh, Reformed. <laughs> I get to do uh, it for real this time. <laughs> Andy loves spoilers and uh, does not shy away. So we are going to go through this film start to finish. Um, so watch this movie and then come back and be with us. Um, so the first thing I want to do, Swart, is um, give us a little bit of a plot just a basic plot summary of what this movie is about and then how you think it compares to other Schraders, just briefly. Um, I think it's, well, plot-wise, it's there's not a ton of plot. I mean, it's it's a priest who's in this little tiny church from, like, I think the 1700s, um, and they're going to go through their, like, re- reconsecration is 250th anniversary. Um, so he's kind of dealing with that stuff. And at the same time, this pregnant <clears throat> pregnant lady comes to him um, with a problem with her husband that he that he uh, is trying to deal with, and it becomes uh, I w- I don't want to say out of control, but like some things happen. We can spoil yeah. those later if you want. Um, yeah, involving su- a suicide, um, and we find out too his background, and then it kind of changes the perception of the film because his background was um, he was in the military, his son. His, he forced his son into the military and then he died in the Iraq war. And that all kind of ties into what um, this other lady's going through with her husband or I don't even know if they're married. Maybe they're not. Yeah, I think they are. Um, yeah. And then we find out that he's kind of secretly hammering down booze at night <laughs> in the back of the church. Like in, he's got a little apartment in the back of this little tiny church. Um, and he writes this journal almost like, you know, it's like a lot of it's very taxi driver, I think. Um, and he's just, it's, the, there's a narration. It's kind of similar. There's these little throwbacks to it. Um, some, there's a little bit of hardcore influence in there, but not, not a ton. Um, but it's, it's definitely the guy like goes on a journey. Um, and then the ending is just, it's pretty powerful, shocking, um, there's a cut to black, almost like a Soprano style final episode thing. And um, yeah, he's he's dealing with his alcoholism, but he's not really because right. I, I don't think he thinks he has a problem. Mm-hmm. Um, in fact, I, I'm he seems to be in complete denial. I mean, and then he even he's even in denial, like he has like the stomach cancer forming and he's in denial about that. Um and that was kind of hard for me to see that too. Cause I was kind of like reminded me of my dad when he had cancer and he's kind of in denial about it. Um, mm. and, it, and it's like, I don't know. There's like, it's, it's filled with symbol symbolism. I want to say too. Um, really you can feel like Schrader's influences like very heavily. Cause he like mm-hmm. diary of a country priest and winter light. You can feel like the, there's like cinematic influences too, but then yeah, like, it brings you back to hardcore with the descent into darkness and light sleeper with the narration and the journal. I mean, all of his movies, the dude has a journal card counter and he's drinking whiskey while he's writing in the dark. Um, yes. I mean, some of the journaling, even, I mean, some of the narration even reminded me of like full metal jacket or even ghost dog a little bit when he's reading the Bible passages. Um, I always like movies like that. Cause it kind of, you know, you're stopping and thinking and getting into the mind of the character a little bit, mm-hmm. but his mind is like, you think it's like totally clear because he's a pious priest in the beginning, but mm-hmm. it's like, you begin to realize like his mind is like mush and it's getting worse and worse and worse. Um, so it's interesting. One phrase that you used in your review that I like underlined and wrote down was terminally lost. Yeah. Uh, so that's that's sort of the that's kind of what I wanted to begin with is that there's like there's two parts to this movie in my view. There's hope and despair, right? And he's saying that those are the things that are op- opposed. Mm-hmm. So if we start with the despair, uh, we have a guy who um, is in several scenes where he's told that he has a problem. The organist finds all these whiskey bottles in his trash. The doctor asks him how much he drinks, and he says, oh, I have wine every now and then, you know. Mm -hmm. His boss is like, you have a problem and you need to go to rehab, and he's like, well, I just have some stomach issues. So to Mm -hmm. me, uh, and you can tell me what you think, 
uh, he has not even he can't see clearly uh, no. at all. And then everyone around him is very aware that he has this problem. Um, and so when Mary comes into the picture and is talking about her husband, Michael's problems, he he's able to see them, but also not because he can't clearly see himself. Yeah. I mean, I think that's when he, he maybe sees a little inkling of it because he sees his own life in it, but he's so terminally lost that he can't, he can't get out of his own way in some ways um, and get and make that connection to, Hey, I got to fix this. Um, it's just like, this is what it is. And it's just, you know, it's almost like this taxi driver thing where he's just, it's just going to keep going and going and going until it gets to this, you know, weird crash at the end um, where something has to happen. Something's force forcing him to happen. Like the ending with, with everyone gathering in the church for the 250th anniversary, like, that's life forcing a decision on you. Um, and I don't know that he was at, he, he, he was just completely unprepared to deal with it because he, he won't even let the thought enter his mind that he might have a problem. He can't get past the fact of what his father did to him and he did to his child. Um, and he just doesn't feel like he can be redeemable. He doesn't feel like he can be forgiven. Um, so it's like this mental block in some ways. It's like a, it's a really a movie about self, self-loathing. And it then, is. and I, I think about this a lot now that I am um, on the other side of it. And I'm pray that I will always be, but um, you know, there's this saying that alcoholics have a death wish because we're drinking poison. Yep. Uh, so um, what the film does and what I think Schrader does sort of brilliantly is, um, in addition to watching him not admit it, right? Yep. We're given all these other things about the world, like the environment being destroyed, um, climate change, how, uh, like, the question of, like, what are we doing to God's creation? Yep. Where is God? What do we do about it? Because the character of Michael is so overwhelmed. Like, he literally cannot he handle it. Yeah. And and doesn't know what the answer is. Wants to like have an abortion because he's wrestling with bringing in a child into the world that has no hope because he can't see hope, right? And mm-hmm. and that's what this comes down to is that neither character is able to see a way forward. Yeah, and I think what the film does so brilliantly and like it has that moving like speech that he gives which is way in the beginning i forgot how far in the beginning of the film that is with the, about mm-hmm. the two truths but then you see over and over again how that that's possible because you know you can have someone who's a complete a-hole like the husband but he's also fighting for something that's good which is climate change and don't ruin the planet um but at the same time he doesn't realize like how that's affecting how that's going to affect his child how that's going to affect other people. Um, and I think that's why there's a humor to the film too. Like when, when, when he dies and they sp- sprinkle his ashes and the, the church choir sings this Neil Young protest song, like I can't stop laughing at that. But at the same time, like <laughs> people can be good, but they can also be complete idiots. And that's, that's kind of like the priest too. Like he could be awesome. He's feeding the homeless. They show all these things he's doing when he's, but at the same time, he's he's killing himself um, for really no reason at all, other than his own mind and grief. guilt and grief. Yeah, mm-hmm. right. And then he is sort of preaching to empty pews. Yep. And uh, it is, you know, there there's there's an aspect to this that's almost like uh, I think. It, it's in like the big book, I think, where it's talking about like the myth of the of heroic sacrifice, where we can um, convince ourselves that uh, we can save something just by caring about it. And um, so his actions towards the end where it's like 
he wants to put the suicide vest on and blow everything up as a sort of statement is actually mm -hmm. selfish because yeah. all he wants to do is die anyway. But, you know, the rationalization and the brain convinces itself like I'm doing this for a larger purpose. So it's an interesting thing that Schrader's doing. He's not just calling to attention, kind of like Aronofsky's mother, calling to attention like we're destroying everything, we're ruining everything, um, where is God? Will he forgive us? There's all these existential questions, right? Mm -hmm. But then there's also like you have this person who conveniently will take those things and use it as an excuse not to live. Because yeah. uh, uh, Amanda Seyfried's character says to him, you know, when he's like, I wish I had been able to do something, she's like, I'm the spiritual one. He didn't want to live, mm -hmm. right? Yep. So She sees it like more than anybody in that film, even though she rarely even speaks, you know, she's like, mm -hmm. she's like the outsider looking in, in some ways, trying to guide these, these souls. Like she's almost an angel in some, some, some ways. Um, reminded me a lot of Elizabeth Shue and leaving Las Vegas in some ways. Um, mm. Kind of guiding this, uh, this troubled soul to the next area of his life, almost. Um, but he doesn't see it. He doesn't see it. You know, Nicolas Cage doesn't see it in that film. It's just this downward spiral. But at the same time, the ending is a little bit hopeful for a Schrader film um, because, like, it, it, a lot of it is, is recalling Taxi Driver. And, like, I, I think I talked about this when I, I wrote that thing five years ago. Um, you did. This is almost like Scorsese's silence where it's this old, old man trying to figure out if, if his faith really really meant anything to him. I thought those two films were a lot alike. Um, obviously, Schrader's is a lot darker. But I think if you look at this versus Taxi Driver at the end, there is a little bit of hope. I don't think there's a ton of hope at the end of Taxi Driver. So I think it's no. you're seeing his evolution as a person, as a filmmaker and a writer. And I think that really spoke to me at the time. You know, when I was just trying to first stay sober. Right. Even though even though he doesn't sort of go through that journey, but you can feel how real it is. It also heavily reminds me of Last Temptation, too, because Schrader was yeah. going through this sort of the same thing, except with the character of Jesus, where it's like he had a lot of despair. He looked around him and was like, you know, people are destroying themselves. Mm -hmm. What can we do? And then with this, I think it is, you're right, like the answer is finding God through human contact. It's it's basically love, right? It or is. Or the love of a good woman, if you want to be yeah. like really or, specific. Or your children, you know, because she's going to have a son now. I mean, obviously he's got cancer, but he could keep going. It, when the movie stops, he could keep going down the path he's on, or he could go get help, you know, get treatment for his cancer and then raise this boy and have a second chance because she's pregnant with a boy. Um, so it's kind of showing that we have a choice. You know, you always have a choice. Like the big, the most important thing to me in this film is when he's on, he's on the little board and he's saying, will God forgive us or whatever it says. And then it, it kind of pans over and then there's garbage cans that say first reform. And that's when they first find the, the alcohol in there, all those alcohol mm -hmm. bottles. Um, mm -hmm. But it's just showing that, He's always saying, "Is why does God destroy his create his creation? Why why uh, why can't he forgive us?" And I think that scene, without even saying any words, just shows that the only person that can do it is yourself. And and that's really when it comes down to uh, stop drinking or any kind of addiction. Like you have to do it yourself. You can't. Someone can't do it for you. Your kids can't do it for you. Your wife can't do it for you. You have to do it yourself. And I think that's what he shows in this versus some of his other films. It's the line that I quoted to you from Adaptation. When Kaufman, when Cage meets with McKee in the bar. Yeah. And he's asking how to end his film. And McKee says, your characters must change and the change must come from them. Yes. It's the same thing. So, so um, the opening line, I think about this a lot now, the opening line to the 12-step book is who can, who can admit complete defeat? Um, and I think about that a lot because it is it is the first step. It is the 
like most painful part is is the admittance um and then this kind of calls to mind when i first asked you when i was going through my pain which was excruciating and unmanageable yeah i asked you why you became sober and you said because you want to see things as they really are yeah that's that's kind of what i what i kept telling myself and and what you say is true like you you have to accept that you can't control it and that that's most people can't do that, you know, especially in this day and age, you know, and everybody, it's just everywhere, you know, and, and I didn't think I'd ever be able to, you know, look at another beer commercial. Like I never, <laughs> I never had any, uh, like I had a zero Heineken zero zero last night. And I, I, for the first three or four years, I couldn't even, I couldn't do that, you know, cause I was so worried that I would just start again. And mm -hmm. you have to treat yourself almost like, like you're a different type of person than everybody else. Cause it's so ingrained in society. Um, and you just have to say, look, this is me. I'm different. I ha I can't, I can't control it at all. And growing up, you just around people that are like that and they can control it somehow, even though you can't. So you have to say, this is it. I, I got to just do it a different way. And it's hard. And I think that there's a, t there's a, um, there's, a facet to this where you are managing uh so the more that you feel that your life is actually not that bad and that you're doing okay that's just going to prolong it and some yep. people never feel that it's unmanageable even though it is absolutely it is um but you feel that you are getting through it and that you're fine that you can stop um, and there's all these rationalizations in your head, you know, that keep you from even considering. And so it's kind of like what this movie brought to mind is that this is a person with such a low bottom that um, you want something to happen that will shake the person into. Yeah. Like, I want to see because until you can. Yeah, you're right. And Until getting cancer can. can't do that, then what can, you know? Oh, I that's, mean, people That's can, how low yeah. he is. Yeah. Right. Y yeah, you could, you, it is amazing the, the level. Um, you would think where you'd be like, oh, well, this person will get it now. No. no. Um, because we all have to be, we, we don't see, a, we don't see things unless we're forced to see them a lot of times, right? Yeah. So, um, so, and Schrader was himself an addict, so... I think that's just something that he is like intimately familiar with. Now I do want to pivot and say there are parts of this movie that I think are very on the nose and somewhat distracting. I don't know if you feel this way, but like having the characters literally named Mary and Joseph yeah. uh, and Michael, yes. um, having the barbed wire as sort of like a crown of thorns. Yeah. Um, Schrader is not very subtle and it can be somewhat distracting. Rob had a great review, our comics Rob, um, where he was talking about it was a little bit gimmicky where if he was noticing the way that something was shot, that was not yep. necessarily a good sign. So if you could just like tell me what you think about if if there's any part of this film that feels sort of distracting. I think, in I think all of it is like that in a way, but I think at the time – at the time I was watching it, it was I needed that over the top symbolism because mm. I, I just couldn't see it. I couldn't see it. And and uh, really, honestly, though, the, the, the thing, even the fact that he's just journaling and writing this and narrating and he sounds just like taxi driver, even that is like completely just derivative. Um, but at the same time, like it speaks to all the people that, you know, the toxic masculinity of people who grew up watching taxi driver raging bull all this stuff even like fight club um and completely missed the point of those films right mm. and i i think that's what this does like it shows it to you in a way like here you're an idiot you need to see this it's right in front of your face and to me that's type of symbolism over the top symbolism was something that i needed and even rewatching it now i i still feel like i need that because i miss that stuff i miss the stuff that's sitting right in front of my face right okay so you feel like the unsubtlety is sort of like a two by four to but but it's like 
it's an effective one. It's not a, it's not one yeah. that like removes you from the story. It's one that like immerses you in it. Well, because you have this, this shared knowledge of what Schrader is and what Schrader's movies are. Right. So it's moving along and you're like, okay, this, this ending is going to be explosive. This is going to be nuts. I can't wait for this. This is He's going to blow everybody up. This is going to be so nuts. And you get to the end and he's about to drink that Drano and you're like, Oh my God, he's going somewhere. He's, he's, this old guy's nuts. And then all of a sudden, boom, she shows up and it's like, Whoa, I haven't seen that in a Schrader film. Um, mm. It, that, that's kind of like the table flip for me was, was like, okay, I don't have to root for these antiheroes. I don't have to, you know, I can, I can like things that are cheesy. I can like things that are over the top and two by four to the head. Um, and I think just seeing that open, open things up for me and like, Hey, I can find things that are good to like, I watched, like I watched elemental with my kids and everyone just bashed that movie, just thrashed it. So I, I didn't watch it. They, I, I think it was their third time watching it before I watched it. And I'm like, well, you know what? This isn't that bad. It's teaching them some good lessons and, and I can find some good in this. And and that, that's all it, quitting drinking was for me to find good in things, which I didn't, where I would just numb. If it was something was bad, I'd just go hide and go into my escape hatch and just, you know, and, and I have to find those good things now, or I, I just can't, I can't do it. And I think it's also, um, so there's, there's a book I'm reading called breathing underwater by Richard Rohr, where he connects this, he connects spirituality in the 12 steps. And he, um, talks about, addiction being deeply frustrated desire yeah so there's all this energy that we have right and passion uh that is misguided and turned destructive right where um and and we can justify being depressed or being sad because we're like look at the state of the world you know and look at how awful everything is and i'm not trying at all I know that there's like, I'm privileged and I am, I am, um, to say that. So I'm not trying to say that those things aren't valid, but to believe that you can't make a difference, uh, or that your truth and your experience has no meaning. Yeah. That's despair. That's complete um, despair. You're right. Right. And and that is what renders us useless. Yeah, and I, you know, I felt I felt useless until I saw, you know, him journaling and stuff. And I had been reading. I think at the time I had been reading sober blogs a lot, and I was like, well, these are these are dumb. But you know, I had all these feelings. You know, when you first get sober, you have all these feelings, and you don't know what to deal with it. You don't know how to deal with it. And you know, I just started writing. I just started writing, and and. Um, there's a line in the beginning of the film where he says, like, you have to be completely, I don't know, I got to look it up now. Uh, when writing about oneself, one should show no mercy. And I think that's what I started to do. And the more I did that, the more people were like, well, that helped me. Or you going through that. Uh, I felt that because I did this, this happened with this. And I felt like, well, I can, I can be, the cheesy sober guy, which one of my friends said called me that one time in the beginning. And I felt bad about it, but he's like, you're using it to get attention, blah, blah, blah. Um, and I'm like, well, it's the only way I know how to channel these feelings and get them out of me. And so that's really mm -hmm. the way I looked at it. It's just like getting, getting the shit out of me so I can fill myself up with other things that are good. Detoxing. Yeah. And everybody does that uh, in the, a different way. Like if you look at addicts, like they get addicted to rock climbing or, or, you know, there's, there's people that are runners and run like crazy. And I'm like, that ain't for me. I'm just going to write, you know, and you have to, you have to find that passion that doesn't involve, you know, sitting on a bar stool. It's almost like, a, there's, there's this like danger initially where people say that um, addicts will get addicted to sobriety. Absolutely. That uh, is totally true. <laughs> That is totally and that true. you, and that the you know the tendency is to just replace with something else. Absolutely. But but, uh, crimes and misdemeanors. The Woody Allen film is also fresh in my mind, where there's a scene at the dinner table, 
and they're saying, what if it ends up that there is no God to to the uh, to his father who is a Jew, um, like a you know he really believes and he they're doing seder, and he's like, what if in the end it turns out that there is no God and this all that you did was for nothing? He says, I still would have had a better life than you. Yeah, and so it's like that's pretty hard hitting. Okay, right. So you're thinking like for people who might say, what if this is all baloney, okay, and um, that we can't make a difference and we can't affect things and it's all, it's all going down the tubes. It's like, okay, then you have two options. You can either care about your health and try to get better and pray that you get to the point where you can see mm-hmm. because it is grace that, you can, that I can see. Yeah. Um, or you keep on operating in that way. But either way, right, you do have a choice, like you said. You, you, um, and you have more influence than you, than you think as well. Yeah, that's, like the, saying, that's kind of the scary part. Like, because I've had people yeah. say, you know, I saw you doing it. So then I thought I could do it. And you're like, what? Me? I mean, I'm just an idiot. Who cares? You know, I'm just doing mm-hmm. this to see if I can do it to challenge myself, you know, and, they're like I said. Well, if you could do it, then anybody can do it, type of thing. And right, you know, that's those are the type of moments you have to you have to live for, you know. Well, and I think we're drawn to circumstances and situations that we feel have the answer. Yeah. And we're drawn to people that we want to be like. Yeah. So, if you can sort of invest in yourself to become what you would want to be like if you think about it in that those terms well it's really the it's the corny thing where you put your put your air airbag on before or your uh, air mask on before anybody else air mask on yeah right right so if we if we look at the if we look at the film in terms of the supporting characters and we see this as like you know that uh, there's that like thing about um, that this person prayed and God sent a helicopter and God sent this other thing and this other thing. And then the guy dies because he's drowning and he goes to heaven and he's like, why didn't you answer my prayer? And he's like, I sent you this person, this, 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 mm-hmm. you just didn't see it as me. Is there a way do you think to interpret this film as sort of him being surrounded by people that are trying to help him, but just not being aware of it? Yeah, absolutely. And, and there's a scene in the film with, I think her name's Esther. Um, and it's clear mm. that they had some sort of relationship. That's another thing I love about the movie is like, they don't, it's just like, you're just in it, right? There's no backstory. Mm-hmm. There's no flashback. You're like, oh, these guys did something together. And, and you don't know for sure what it is, but it's enough that when they have that conversation in the staircase, it's one of the most brutal things that I've seen in a movie ever. When he says that he yes. despises her and she makes him be something that he doesn't want to be. Um, I couldn't believe that that was coming out of the mouth of a priest. But it also shows that people are people. You know, he's going to have, even if he is a priest, he's still going to have those feelings. Um, and is it over the top? Yeah, it is. But sometimes you need to see those things happening and like, oh my God, this lady just wants to just literally the only person in the film that cares if you went and got checked up for, you know, got a scan or whatever, see if you have cancer and that's the way you treat her. Um, it's pretty eye opening. Yeah. He says like, you want something that never was and that she reminded him of everything that he hates. It's, 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 brutal. it's good in a way it, it's, it, yeah. I think that this almost is more effective in that sense or relatable than taxi driver because he's a priest. Absolutely. So this is somebody that we're supposed to be we're supposed to look up to them you know like I, I grew up in right uh my my parents were like or my my grandparents were like hardcore catholics like diehard catholics and you grew up seeing those the priests is like they're like the father figures like they take care of the flock all this you know and you don't they're almost not human in some ways and to see that mm. that happening like i think if i would have saw a priest do that when i was 10 years old it would have it would have just blew my mind just would have wrecked everything that was built in there by you know built up by my parents or grandparents or whatever 
um, because they're almost like parental figures and they're not supposed to act like that. And you see him doing all of his priest stuff. And then all of a sudden he does that and you're like, whoa, something is truly, truly off with this guy. (laughs) Like way off. (laughs) Like he's faking it in this situation, but he can't when he gets alone with this person who actually truly cares about him. And the fact that she's the one singing at the end too, I didn't notice that until... Mm-hmm. until this watch like she's the one singing the everlasting arms song whatever that it's so messed up but he's finally finding his way into where he should be in some ways yeah and then he, you've got the you've got the bulk guy the, the oh, yeah. evil oil corporation yeah. guy which is also completely not subtle yeah that like, that see that's that stuff kind of bothered me this time around it was a little bit yeah. too much it was too much. That's what I'm saying. There is an element here where the, it is a bit, um, you know, preachy in the sense of just like not allowing nuance. It's just very in your face. I think that you know? was kind of the product of the time, though, because it was what 2017, and people mm-hmm. were getting people were really angry about um, like Trump and and all that, all the mega stuff was was really starting to come out then, and I think. Mm-hmm. And it was starting to it's starting to seep into some of the Hollywood movies. And I think I think I think if he made it again today, I don't think he would make it that over the top. I really don't. I think it was kind of the product of the time. That's what I right. that's the way I saw it this last time I watched it anyway. Yeah, to put it into a historical context is important because it's yeah, it's also the everything political and then and then even the part in the film where he's like, Don't politicize this, uh is something that we used to say during that time a lot. It but seemed like a lot of it was couldn't do anything. A lot of it was, you know, seeing the future in some ways because they talk about, you know, how plague can hit or whatever. And in 2020, the protests, the George Floyd, all that stuff was kind of foretold in that conversation he had with Michael in the beginning in some ways. Um, and then mm-hmm. I think in, with America, like that was starting to come out and, and it had to come to a head. And now, it is where it is now. It's not as bad as it was in 2020, but it was still kind of building in 2017. You know, that's why I think it would be completely, there's, there's no way this film would be made the same way today. I don't think, I mean, it would, it would, it could be, it would be the same like story, his personal story, but I don't think any of the political stuff would be the same. Right. Cause there's like a naive, and... naivete, naivete to it. Or, or, or like a um, uh, an urgency as well. I, I like yeah, how he yeah. describes um, when he first meets with Michael that he was like he has this voiceover and you think it's going to go in a different way, but it actually doesn't. He says uh, it felt like Jacob wrestling with the angel, and then you oh, think that he, means and that he liked it, and he liked yeah, it. Yeah, 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 yeah. He says it was exhilarating. Yes, uh, and you think that he's like. You know, this angry millennial, uh, to to use your term, you know, it's like all these entitled kids, entitled (laughs) white kids going on and on about whatever and protesting and people dying and they're not doing anything. You know, the whole like slacktivism thing and just that we're just complaining but not doing anything. What are we doing? Yeah. How do we care? And then have no action, etc. But instead of having that attitude, which he totally should based on what he's been through he's like it was exhilarating and to me that was like ah yeah you know it's like he enjoys this you know that was the height of people arguing about politics on twitter and facebook and everywhere else and arguing with your uncle and your mom Mm -hmm. and calling people out and um you know it's like it's like two trolls fighting in in real life you see you see Mm -hmm. that you know um, and then it's almost like he's the one that gets radicalized by Michael in some ways as he takes his laptop and starts going through it. And and that whole thing is 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 really cliche, but it, it kind of helps pr- propel the movie in some ways because he wouldn't have got to where he got to without that. Also, the right. the scene, the scene with Michael, the suicide scene is still, I, I think, one of the most hardcore things in any Schrader film. I mean, I I was not when I first watched this. I was not expecting it to be that gr- that gruesome. <laughs> and it just adds to. There's like a line that uh, that the oil guy says to him, where he's like, "Hold on a second, 
so he texted you that morning and then you counseled him and he shot himself and he just says it like that. It's so hardcore. Like, yeah. It's <laughs> it's just it's blunt so bru- trauma. Brutal. Yeah. <laughs> blunt verbal and, trauma. And, and, and then he's like, yeah, that is what happened. And I also, you know, told my wife that my son was going to be in the footsteps of his father and his father before him. And then he got killed. Yeah. Um, and, you know, it's it's this it's almost like um, when you get annoyed that someone that you don't like says the truth, you're like, dang it. Why is it this guy? Yep. You know, like when somebody that you don't that you're not a fan of has a good take. There's yeah. that feeling of like. You're right, but I don't you like you just see like it's like a pile That's driver that just- happened those state little statements just driving him further down. And mm-hmm. you can see how, like, if you're in the midst of a, a hardcore addiction, like just hearing those little things, like if I was drinking and someone did that to me, like I would probably be drunk for three days straight. If just from hearing, just that. from hearing that one line from that rich guy who I hated, who was the corporate sellout guy who's ruining the planet. Um, and that's kind of, that's kind of what it, boils down to is you know there's rich against the rich against poor thing again um which was really in sharp relief in 20 i think 2016 2017 2018 in that in that era it also kind of inadvertently demonstrates how like the truth is the truth no matter where it comes from yeah Mm -hmm. which i think is a is sort of important to remember but doesn't really come unless you are coming at it with humility yourself like i don't know everything and i can learn from anyone oh and that that is a big sober thing too absolutely right like trying to see good in your enemies or you know hey maybe Mm -hmm. maybe this guy does have a point even though i i completely disagree with everything about him um that's a very good that's a great reading of the film i think for sure yes because it's coming from you know, a lot of people will write off sort of mega churches. Um, a lot of people are very yeah. triggered by um, – it's not necessarily that they have an issue with God. It's more a lot of times I've found just from hearing people speak about their lack of faith. A lot of times it's the church, right? Yep. And it's an experience in the church and it's the pastor of a big church and they're turned off by – this so to for Schrader to have the big bad guy be the oil business tycoon who who does say the truth, but then have Cedric, uh, the entertainer, as the um person who's genuinely compassionate, yeah. who runs this big ordeal, and he's like trying to say, like, you don't know how hard it is to reach people like he wants he needs, to. He needs that money to reach people. You can see you can see why he's doing it. And that's that's the two truths things, right? You got this big mega church that's like almost televangelism. And then you got this tiny little old school church. And there's more, mm-hmm. more messed up things going in that little old school church than this giant corporate church that's taking, you know, oil money. And mm-hmm. I think that shows that you can be good and be messed up at the same time. That's a whole, that's a whole film right there. That's, that's a great, exactly. Thing. Yeah. And, and how messy it is, uh, that, that, you know, the sort of black and white thinking yep. doesn't really serve us very well in life. Nope. Uh, and that's definitely changed <laughs> for me once I got sober. Cause I was very, very anti, uh, people, right wing people. And, uh, you know, just people that didn't think like me, um, and now I think when you get sober, you try to, you try to see the commonalities and just kind of get in with the people that way. And, and another thing too, is like, there's people on both sides trying to just change each other. Like, let's just change, just, I'm going to, I'm going to radicalize you. And that's kind of what this movie is too. Like, you're, I'm just going to radicalize you in this way or this way or this way. And that's what's going on at that time period. And we're all human, right? We all have problems. Um, and we all do better when we help each other. And that, that was, that was hard for me to come to because it's just such a corny, corny sentiment that I've never felt before. And it's almost like when you start seeing things where they really are, you can see that some of these people, like they're really hurting. That's why they act like that. And that's why they climb onto these radical things. 
Yes. Now, I mean, because I think it's almost like you can't really see other people's pain until you see yours. Yeah. And you can't see yours if you're numb to yours. Yeah, that's exactly it. the, The more that you're able to grapple with your own and the more access that you have to who you are, which is what this entire my pod direction is for me to have access to myself. Right. Amy's progress is basically literally getting through the muck to have access to it's I mean, recovery is recovering the best version. Right. Yeah. Um, then you then you can be more sensitive when other people come at you yep. because they're in pain. Yep. And you start to notice that like, you know, you you could be in scenarios any scenario that you walk into, whether it's the grocery store or church or anywhere, mm-hmm. a bar, um, people are like on the surface in pain Yeah, all it, the time. It, it is. And, and it's become so normalized that, that that's, you know, that's the norm versus, versus people who aren't in pain. And, and uh, you know, everybody's got a little bit of it, but you know, I think when you take a hard look at yourself, it, it, it kind of numbs numbs the pain in a way that's good and healthy versus drinking Drano or whatever, whatever your poison is. Yeah. And it's interesting too, that the first scene that, that, um, Reverend Toller meets Mary, she's literally saying, can you meet with my husband? And he's like, you know, you should go to abundant life. Yeah. He's throwing, he, he's he, passing it off. Yeah. Which is, yeah. Because, yeah. <laughs> So to me, that's very telling too. Where it's like, here's somebody that's supposed to have the solution, right? It, and here's somebody that he's that she's coming to, and he's like, you know, this other church is bigger, and I don't have anything. And I think that that is also uh, maybe something that Schrader and Scorsese struggle with, where it's like, who am I? I'm part of uh, I'm part of the machine type of thing. Uh-huh. Yeah, right. Who am I to supply counsel? Yeah. You know, I I did cocaine and I'm an alcoholic and I and and I still struggle and you know when in the Ebert review for Last Temptation he talks about talking to Scorsese and he says, "Do you think that you're saved?" And mm-hmm. Scorsese says, "No, I think I'm going to hell because I'm living in sin." Yeah. Yeah, there's some of and that in this like, movie too. Right. It's like, "Whoa." Okay, so if if somebody who's wrestling with these things, you know, and and is a is sort of accepted and popular and respected artistically still feels condemned, then it, you're still limiting the effect that you can have, right? Yeah. Like you're, I think you're limiting your I think influence. it's interesting that both of these films were kind of the same time and then these guys are are kind of almost changing his filmmakers in some way. Cause I know Scorsese went, I think right to the Irishman after that, which was mm-hmm. a commentary on everything he had done in the past and how it's, it's all bullshit, right? It's all bullshit. And living like that does nothing, you know, it's, it's fun in the moment, but then it's nothing. Um, and I have a feel, I have a feeling that uh, I haven't seen the new Schrader, but I've heard it's kind of more uplifting normal mm. so I'm, I'm thinking maybe i mean he kind of went that way a little bit the card counter but I, I, the card counter to me wasn't as good as first reformed but um no. i'm interested in seeing how he he wraps up his his trilogy or whatever um where he's looking inside yeah. he's what is he 80 years old that's it, they're both in their 80s which is incredible you know yeah and this, that it's that god yeah it's that god's lonely man trajectory sort of the the conflicted male who is who is just trying to figure it out. I mean, I think uh, Scorsese was recently on the cover of a magazine saying he wants to figure out who he really is. Yeah, I saw that. Uh, yeah, <laughs> that's that's kind so, of scary to think that when you're that age, you're still trying to figure out who you really are. But maybe that's the point of humanity. Yeah, and I think that the um, the goal would be to shorten the window. <laughs> Uh, in as much as you can. Yeah. Uh, Which I still, there's this component to it that I don't feel that we are in control of. 
Um, but as in as much as you can, it's like how can you make the time frame of your ability to be effective, even if it's just just for your own sanity, uh, and not be eighty or not be at the end of your life figuring it out. You know, I think that's I think that's important for, for people of that age because I've you're seeing a lot. Like I work with this stuff every day, like. Boomers really think they want they can get this instant fix of like, hey, I could take my wrinkles away. I can do a di- perfect diet. I can do this. I'm going to live forever. And but here you have two guys that are just trying to figure it out one film at a time because that's really that's really what it is. You're just trying to improve yourself by this much every day. You know, it doesn't happen overnight. And if, if there's one thing I could tell people, it's it's not going to be this magic thing. It's just it just it's just a life ch- a lifestyle change really more than anything else and you have to want to be a better person and is it going to be easy no it's it's it sucks in a lot of ways but eventually you get past the point of you know the best thing about getting sober is you see things for what you really what they really are but at the same time you also stop caring what other people think so much because you're seeing so many like posts of people i'm doing this i'm so great i'm doing this and and that used to bother the the shit out of me but now i'm just like okay that's that's what you're doing i'm not doing that and it's also there's a temptation, I think, in just any scenario to obsess about the problem and uh, articulate it when it's so much more valuable to be talking about the solution. Yep. What is the solution and, and how can I get there? What is the answer? Uh, and so with First Reformed, unlike, I think, Stalker, uh, there is an actual answer. That Schrader offers us, which is love, love yeah. right? And and it's and it's hard. I read a bunch of reviews that were excellent last night about saying, you know, um, that it's some. It feels um, simplistic or perhaps naive to just accept that that's the answer. Yep. Or to believe that. Um, Sometimes the easiest choice like, is the best choice, though. And right. we don't want to. We don't want to admit that. Right, because it's like, well, you just don't know, and you're ignorant, and and that's a, it's a luxury that you, that you can feel that way. And there's so many things that will prevent your brain um, from from change. You know, a, a lot of times when I'm thinking something that's self defeating, it's just because my my ego wants me in the status quo. Yeah, you know, we're we're just so resistant to change and. Um, well, it's as simple as if you don't, if you don't like something, just don't it. do it. Just don't do it. Just stop. And it's, it's really hard right. for people because, because they have all right. these scenarios playing in their head, especially someone who's an addict. Cause you're having all this anxiety. You're having all these, what if this happens and what if that happens? And I don't, I don't want, you know, I mean, I have really bad social anxiety. So that, that's why I drank because I, I just couldn't be in crowds of people. Um, I just hated mm. it. Um, but there's all these, everybody has something different. And some, sometimes you just got to step back and be like, it's okay if I don't go to the party. It's okay if I don't, you know, go to the football game, whatever. Um, I, it, I can just stay here and just exist. I don't, I don't need to, I don't need to be anything more than me. And that's, that's the hardest thing right. to, to get through to anybody, even people that aren't addicts. Yeah. But then you're like, who am I? Right. Yep. Because it, there's a process of, of uh, <laughs> th- there's a very real thing that I think all of us sort of use art for, which is who even am I? And especially as an addict, who am I without this activity? Oh, 100% because uh, you change all the things you know, that you're doing. You know, you change, you, you lose friendships over it. You know, like some people have only known that version of you and, and they expect a certain thing out of you. And when they don't get it, they're like, who's that guy? I don't know that guy. That's not. And you do that to yourself. Who, who am I without this? I mean, it's scary. It is. And um, it is. who, who am I going to be instead? Like what, what can, because there is this sort of sense of emptiness in this hole uh, and this hunger for something to replace it almost immediately. And then also I think uh, I like that Schrader, has him pour the glass of scotch, 
pour the scotch on the ground, mm-hmm. fill it with Drano, mm-hmm. and then you get that's because the Drano is the same color as the whiskey. Mm-hmm. It's like, that's what whiskey is. Yeah. And that's, like, that's the most over the top thing in the whole movie. Like, I agree. You're literally drinking it's, poison, but it, it's effective. But he's, it's a, it's, it's, it's a visual that if you could sort of, um, I know it's hard to make the connection because I was in love with alcohol. It's hard to, it's hard to do because you, there's this romanticization that happens and I, it still happens. But if you can sort of, even conceptually, visualize what Schrader, that's a radical statement. Oh, it's huge. For him. It's huge. You- and then for Ethan Hawke's character, for Toller to pour it himself, um, I think does say something, even though he's still on the barbed wire, even though he's still bleeding, um, and it's dramatic. I think that that gesture says quite a bit. Well, yeah, it's like, the barbed wire is killing him on the outside, but what's what's really the problem is what's killing him on the inside, I think. Um, and, you know, in the beginning of the movie, you're seeing a, a writer, a little glass of scotch, that's like, oh, look, it's Ernest Hemingway. You know, like, there's this romantic thing about drinking and mm-hmm. writing and mm-hmm. getting your thoughts out. And you're not, you're not, it's and not, you, I, it's not real. It's not real. And you, and that, um, the moment that he does that is when she shows up. Right. Right. And you're just so not expecting any of that to happen in a Schrader movie. Like that's what really got to me. Like, I'm like, okay, he's going to, he's going to drink the Drano and he's going to puke blood all over everybody. And, you know, cause they had that song in the beginning is, is, uh, about the blood and the white garments that the, the lamb, the choir is singing. I'm like, that mm-hmm. is okay. So that's total Schrader foreshadowing right there. This is going to be a bloody crazy ending and it kind of was with the barbed wire and stuff but it doesn't go in the way you expect it to go that's what i really love about it and i think it's also telling that you think that if you um it kind of reminds me of abraham in a way you think that if you're being asked to sacrifice your most precious thing um that it won't be replaced by something good so i think that the fact that as soon as he does that she comes to save him is also just so hopeful i think that's the most hopeful thing that schrader can say to be honest with you oh like, yeah because he sacrificed his, that you, his son as soon as you do something yeah that something good will immediately happen to yeah. you in a in a like a tangible way and you just have to have this like modicum of Maybe if I give this up, something good will happen. If you if you can even consider that, I think it's like that. Step three talks about willingness being the key, um, and it just takes so little, but it's also so much. Paradoxically, too, it's so much to get there too. It's such a leap. Yeah, when you're I, in that. State. I don't know how. I think back to now, five years ago, and and I'm just like, how did how did I end up here? You know, like, like it just, mm. this is the one thing like, wow, this, this really sucks. I feel sick all the time. I'm fat. Um, I'm going to try this for 30 <laughs> days. Um, and no matter what happens, I'm going to do it for 30 days. And like, where did that come from? I have no idea. Why couldn't I have done that five years earlier? Um, but just that one, all it took was like that one spark and then mm. you're in a different direction. And that's kind of how the end of that film is. And that's why it, it's meaningful some ways to someone you know who's going through recovery or like you know it's clear that schrader had severe addiction problems just all the stuff that that's in that film that's in all of his films um but to see someone who's had that struggle their whole life and 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 to do that at the end of that film is it's impressive to me i agree i think everything is in that ending and i actually i'm gonna read this this might embarrass you a little bit okay but all right i wrote a sec I wrote a section of your review, my favorite part of it, um, that I think summarizes this very well. Um, you wrote about his character. He's Travis Bickle, cast as Joseph the Dreamer, and thrown down a bottomless 21st century well. His coat of many colors is now the black and white smock of the church, colorless and foreboding, a ghost walking among the tombstones, 
yearning to become an unmerciful angel of death. I don't even. So I don't there know where is. That came from. <laughs> I don't even well, remember writing is, that. I was. I knew. I knew you were going to say I, that. I was still like, but, in, when you think about it, you're still in that fog. You know, I've only been two or three weeks sober. I was still like, the poison's still in you, right? But. But you still saw enough clarity to you're you're both. I think you're right there in that paragraph. You're addressing the the nihilism of that temptation to just the unmerciful angel of death that we we take the take on that role strangely. Yeah. In how often we fight with each other, how impatient we are, how intolerant we are. Uh how unwilling we are to even consider that something's wrong with us or that we're the problem. That is that unmerciful angel of death, even if it's toward yeah. yourself. Um, and so I think that is, you're acknowledging the, the nihilism and that temptation to go that direction, but you're also saying that he's Joseph in the well. Yeah. Yeah. And that came, I think that came from, they mentioned that in the movie, I think. Um, they do, but, because his son yeah. was named Joseph. Yeah, which is another over-the-top the biblical reference. It is. But, you know, I mm -hmm. think what you're taking out of that is good, because, like, I didn't, I guess I didn't see that at the time, but I was just a complete nihilist. That's that's all my alcoholism was, was just nihilism. Um, I mean, in fact, we used to joke about it all the time with my buddies and be like, you know, that line from Big Lebowski, it's, we are nihilists, we care for nothing. I was about to say Big Lebowski. We care for nothing. <laughs> As we as we hammer down a, a white Russian or or a whiskey sour right. or whatever it was we were drinking that day, um, but yeah, that is just getting over that nihilism. I think that's that's all it is for me anyway. That's not for and everybody. Like, and you said at the beginning of this that you felt feel like the thing that you wrote initially was one of the best things that you that you've written. Um, that came to mind as like that whole chasing the high thing that yep that the root of the the pain is that you're that you're trying to get back right uh to something and if you can if you can sort of figure that out or if, over time begin to understand then um you can be fulfilled by what you are able to replace it with when you have that awareness. But when you're just operating sort of in a subconscious level all the time and you're not aware, uh, you it is like you're living in a completely different reality. You think that your reality is, but it actually isn't at all. The w reality I'm in now is the real one. Yeah, I think I think you get stuck in that in that mindset of like it's got to be like you ch you you are chasing the high, right? So like I'll write something and be like you know people will be like oh god that's great and then the next time you're like i don't know if i can do that again um you know you have to be okay with things that suck that's 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 all sobriety is you have to be okay with things that suck and i i i still struggle with it every day every day yes um but it's part of the process it's part of just getting better inch by inch and you just got to be a little bit better than the, the day before which is not always going to happen. You know, I mean, life's not a straight line. Um, but yeah, just, just, you got to know that that, that feeling isn't going to go away. You just have to deal with it as part of like seeing things, how it really is. But it's like, it's going, it's going to be uncomfortable. Yeah. But you were, you were uncomfortable before. Yep. The thing is you are, all you're doing is swapping pain Bad pain for good pain, if you want to put it into different terms. And and I think that there is, you know, there's the good pain that's exercise and that is yep. improvement. And then there's the bad pain that is illness and deterioration and destruction. And it, it, it's not that you are leaving one thing to make your life worse. You are choosing what kind you want to feel. Yeah. And then one of them actually gives you access to hope. It does. It does. And it gives you, it gives you the skills to deal with pain because right. if you're drinking, you know, you start drinking when you're 17, 18, 16, uh, and you just keep going. You never, you never get those skills. You just never do. Yeah. And it's weird when you and come out of it, they say it's like mm. when you come out of it, it's like you go, you start over from where you started when you started drinking. 
So mm-hmm. it's like you're 17 again and you're relearning how to build relationships with people. You're relearning um, how to be okay in social situations and not be so self-conscious. And that's why it's so hard in the first, I want to say year, maybe even still for me. Um, but I know now that I step into a room full of people, it's not as bad as it was five years ago. Um, and that's mm-hmm. because I've had to deal with it. You're forced to deal with it when you're not drinking. Right. Right. I just realized we created our own little room today. You did. Yeah. 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 And, uh, I, I hope that, I hope that when you guys watch this movie, or if you rewatch this movie that you can keep our thoughts in mind, see from a different lens, maybe that we've been able to share ours. I think Schrader is saying a lot here that could speak um, and does and is very alive, even as uh, it's just shrouded in death and bleakness and despair. Uh, I think it ultimately ends on a good note. And that's what we all need. This what it's what we're longing for is how should we live? So absolutely. Thank you, Swart. Thank you. This is for being great. with me today. And uh, we'll see you at the movies. <laughs>